We've been in Hebrews, one specific chapter. Do you remember what it is? Eleven, yes, all right. How many of you want a, a present tonight? A couple of you want a present? All right, Nathan Cannell, come here. I have a gift for you. Bailey, come here. I have a gift for you. Hey, keep your hands up if you want a present. All right. Mr. Agdemag, come on up here. Get up here, Finn. And let's have a girl. Destiny, come on. All right, so here's, here's what I have for you. And we're going to let the ladies have first choice, okay? I have a penny. I have a can of Coke. I have a Snickers bar or three Musketeers. Which one would you like? You would like the Coke. All right. Which one would you like? Which one would you like? You get the penny. All right. Y'all go back to your seats. Okay. Y'all, thank you for coming up. Now, here's my question. Um, are those good gifts? What'd you say? Some of them? Okay. Like, how, for that, what's that? Money is gas. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Now, the four of you that got those gifts, the four of you that got those gifts, can you hold them up for everybody to see? Okay. So, Bailey has eaten his three musketeers. Destiny has her Coke. You got your Snickers and you got your penny, Okay. So, those are all pretty good gifts. Now, for those of you that haven't eaten yours yet, sorry buddy, you ate it, that, that one's done and gone, would you be willing to sacrifice that gift and take a chance that you get a better one or you get a worse one? <laughs> Care, hey, be careful, we could have some fun with that, so be careful, okay? Alright, so Finn, are you willing to take the risk to trade in your penny and sacrifice it for something better or worse? Alright, come on up here. Alright, if Finn is willing to give me back the penny, I trade you for a dollar. Go have a seat. Alright, now remember, it's a risk. It could be better, it could be worse. You going to trade it in? Wait, did you say you're not allowed to have chocolate? Why not? <laughs> that's the best answer I've heard all night man alright but you're willing to trade it anyway so instead of the instead of the S for the Snickers he just got a that's all he got I'm sorry but that's what I got we got the full thing for you okay so something better um, I think you should check with your parents before you did that Hey, y'all heard it, and it's recorded. I warned him, okay? You heard that. All right, so Destiny, you're going to keep the Coke, or you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're not going to sacrifice it? Okay. Um, just so y'all know, Bailey already sacrificed his candy bar to his stomach, so that one's done and gone right now. Okay. No, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. So, for the ones that didn't sacrifice anything, um, Bailey, you would have gotten a full-size Three Musketeers. Actually, like... Two of them, no, sorry, no, no nepotism here. And um, Destiny, you would have gone from a Coke to a two-liter. Okay, no, 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 no. No, we're leaving that right there. Here's the reason I asked you guys that question. Because we are faced with choices like that every single day. 
Every single day we have things in our lives, things that we are either willing to hold on to or things that we're willing to sacrifice, willing to give up in hopes that there might be something better, even though sometimes there may not be. And see, sacrifice is, is exactly what we're going to talk about because as we've been walking through this series, this little things are big, we've been looking at this idea that so many people tell us in our lives, you need to go after big things, you need to chase big things, you need to ask God to do big things for you. But what if, as disciples, God wants us to focus on the little things? What if it's the small things that we see in our life every single day that are the big things to God? Things that we've talked about, like learning to be obedient to God's word on a daily basis. Learning to trust God's timing in our lives and his plan. Learning how to wait on God. Those are things that I think a lot of us struggle with on a daily basis. We know it's in scripture and we know we're supposed to live it out. And yet we struggle with living those things out. And as we've walked through Hebrews chapter 11, this has been what, what a lot of people call the, the faith hall of fame. You see people in this book like Noah and Abraham and Moses and all of these men and women who God did big things through their lives. But when you actually look at their lives, what they did is they focused on the little things for God day after day. And those little things are what God used in the end. So that's what we're looking at tonight. And what we see tonight is this idea of sacrifice. As you turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, I hope you're there already. We're going to pick up. Close to where we left off last week, we're skipping a couple verses. We're jumping down to Hebrews 11, starting in verse 23. And since we are reading a little chunk here, I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word. And we're going to read from Hebrews 11:23 all the way down to verse 29. Read along with me. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, we'll talk about that in a second. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Pray with me. God, we thank you again that we can come together. We thank you that we can spend some time looking at what your word says and what that means for our life. And God, I pray that we'll be different because we spent time in this tonight. God, not just different for ourselves, but different to go out and live it out and show people who you are and what it means to pursue you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. So let's back up there to verse 23 and let's talk about one of those two words that might be confusing there. It says, by faith. Remember, by faith. What is that? What is faith? How do we define that? I like some of you went, how do we define faith? We've been talking about it for several weeks now. Wait, say it again. That's exactly verse one in this chapter. That's how faith is defined. We sum that up and it's, it's an unswerving or a settled confidence 
in the promises of God. God is who He says He is. He's going to do what He says He's going to do. That's what faith is as defined here. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, what that word edict means, that's, that's the law. That's the, the Pharaoh said, this is what's going to happen, and everybody in the country of Egypt has to abide by what Pharaoh said. In fact, what the author of Hebrews is doing here, and y'all don't have to flip over there. I'll read these verses for us. The author of Hebrews is, re, is referencing Scripture from Exodus chapter 2. And if you look at Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 1, you see exactly what happened when Moses was born. In verse 1 there, it says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took, him for, took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bit, bitumen? Bitumen? How do you say that? I don't know how to say that. What's that? Bitumen. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all get it from Mr. Paul. Thank you, Mr. Paul. And pitch. We're just going to keep right on rolling there. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her a servant woman. And she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. So this is what's going on when Moses was born. What had happened here is, is this, this account is going back years earlier to a time, if, if you guys have heard of Joseph before, Joseph, the guy whose, whose dad gave him the coat of many colors and then his brother threw him in a pit and then sold him into slavery and then he ended up serving in Egypt and then he was thrown in jail and next thing you know, he's taken out of jail and now he's second in command of all of Egypt. And during that time when he was second in command, there was a famine and during that time of that famine, the Israelite nation, all the Jewish people started coming to Egypt because Joseph had done such a good job of making sure that there was going to be food for everybody during those years of famine. So the Israelite nation moved towards Egypt. And as they moved towards Egypt, their number began to grow and it began to grow. And all of a sudden, the Pharaoh became scared that the Israelite nation was going to grow large enough that if they ever wanted to, they could partner with all of the Egypt's enemies and they could overthrow Egypt. So what Pharaoh decided to do was take the Israelite nation and put them all into slavery. So that, that's the scene that is set up here as you come up here on Moses' birth. And, but the problem is that didn't solve the problem because even though they were in slavery, that nation of Israel in Egypt continued to grow. It continued to multiply. So it says in Scripture that another Pharaoh rose up who didn't know Joseph and didn't know what was going on there. And he saw the problem. He was still worried about the Israelite nation. So here's the plan he came up with. He told all of the midwives, when a Hebrew woman, when someone who's Israelite has a son, 
I want you to take those sons and I want you to get rid of them. I want you to throw them in the Nile River. That, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? I want you, to, I want you to, to end their life. Actually, I'm mixing it up. He told them to kill them. That hadn't come yet. But here's the kicker. Scripture reads, if you go through and you look at what's happening in this story here, you see real quick that the midwives didn't do that. And when Pharaoh calls them in and says, why didn't you do that? They said, well, these Israelite women, when they have their children, they have them so fast that the children are born before we can get there and there's nothing we can do. So that's when Pharaoh now said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take those kids and we're going to throw them all in the river and we're going to wipe out or just curtail the Israelite nation so they can't keep multiplying and take us over if they chose to. That's what's going on when Moses is born. And, and right here at the beginning of this, when Moses is born, we start to see this idea of sacrifice play out in his life from the very beginning. Now, it's not sacrifice on his part, it's sacrifice on the part of his parents. Because if you think about this, how many of you have, have a little brother or sister at home and you remember when your parents brought them home? Were they excited about that? Now, you may not have been. I didn't ask if you were excited. Were your parents excited? Yeah, because parents are excited when they have a new child. They want people to know. They want to tell everybody. And yet right here it says that, that Moses' parents... When he was born, they hid him. For three months, they hid him. Right there at the beginning of his life, they start to sacrifice. They give up the opportunity to tell everybody they know, hey, we've had a son. Hey, look at our baby boy. Look how he turned out. He's awesome. He's healthy. We love him. They didn't get that opportunity to tell the world about their son. And, and if you guys remember that little brother or sister coming home, you know that had to be difficult. If for no other reason, baby gets pretty loud when it starts crying, doesn't it? I mean, like really, really like ear piercing nails on a chalkboard, piercing your brain kind of loud sometimes. Now, I, I know that's different. And I say this, I know that's different for the moms of those newborn babies because that like awakens motherly feelings. Um, that's not always the case as a new dad. It's like, oh, that hurts. I love you, but that hurts a little bit. But for three months, they had to try to hide that child. They had to try to curtail that crying. See, right there at the beginning of Moses' life, what you see is you see sacrifice. And when it got to the point that they had to do something different, ironically, they saved him from the Nile River. They took him and put a basket where? In the Nile River. And float him down the river. And Pharaoh's daughter finds him, pulls him out. But what these parents have done is they've sacrificed their ability to be his parents for the rest of his life and have him know them as his parents. Guys, that's huge. And we see that before, before Moses can walk, before he can talk, we start to see that there's sacrifice playing out in his life. His parents were willing to sacrifice that relationship that they would have had with him. And because of their sacrifice, the fate of an entire nation was set on a course that God had for it. Because they were willing to do that in order for God's plan to be carried out. That's huge. So when we talk about sacrifice, sometimes it's sacrificing little things. Sometimes it's being willing to sacrifice a big thing. 
But sometimes that's what God calls us to do so that we can follow his will and his plan can be played out. And that's exactly what we see happening here. And that is just the beginning. Look at it again in verse 24. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now again, this is going back to Old Testament Scripture. What this is referencing here is actually Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. It's picking up right where we just left off. Let me read those six verses for you. Moses has grown up a little bit and it says one day when he had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. It's talking about the Israelite nation, the people who were in slavery to the Egyptians. And it says he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the king, this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. So you've got Moses, who has grown up, son of Pharaoh's daughter, grandson of the king of all of Egypt, who had everything he could ever need or everything that he could ever want. And yet when he's faced between choosing himself or choosing the people that were being mistreated, he chose to sacrifice his own comfort. He chose to look out for the guy that needed help. He had everything that he ever wanted and yet he was willing to give up that power and that position and that influence that he had because he saw something going on that wasn't right and he chose to do something about it. Now, did he necessarily handle it the way that we would advise him to handle it? No, not committing murder, of course not. And yet in that moment when he made that decision, he gave everything away and sacrificed everything that he had for his current future so that he could take care of what it talks about here as his people. And he did that because of what we saw back in Hebrews 11 verse 26. Let me remind you of what that verse says. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses was, was focused on Christ, even though Christ hadn't physically come into humanity yet. It was his fate that overshadowed his fear in Egypt. Yes, he was afraid of Pharaoh and he was afraid that he was going to lose his life. But it was also his faith in God that gave him the courage to run and to follow God when God shows up again later in his life. Moses was focused on the hope, the assurance, that settled confidence on the promises of who God is. And that's a concept that so many of us, I think, struggle with. Because it is so easy for you and I to get caught up and burdened down by all of the things and the people and the relationships and the, the opportunities that we have right here in front of us. And we get to the point that we're not willing to sacrifice things. And yet that's exactly what we see here. 
we get this idea of we have popularity. We have followers. We have likes. We're influencers on social media. Or we have stuff. We have the right shoes and the right clothes or the right car or the right phone or whatever it is. And those things are so important to us that we will spend all of our time and our focus on those things. And yet God's calling us to something greater. And God's calling us to be willing to sacrifice those things. What if in order for you as a disciple of Jesus to actually press into him on a daily basis, you had to sacrifice some things in your life? Would you be willing to do it? Would you be willing to sacrifice relationships the way his parents did with him? Or popularity or or influence or, or all the stuff that he could have had, are you willing to sacrifice those things to really pursue Jesus with everything you have? And, and, and here's how may, that may play out. Maybe you're in high school and you have the opportunity to be in chorus or to be in a play and you get a chance to have a role and you choose, I'm not going to take that role because this play is glorifying things that I know don't honor God. Or maybe you're in a crowd of your friends and they start mocking somebody and you choose to stand up for that person because that's what honors God. See guys, we don't always think about it when we find ourselves in those situations, but that's what that looks like. To be willing to press into Christ means you've got to be willing to sacrifice and step back from some other things, some other opportunities so that you can follow God and be the man and the woman that he created you to be. And and that's exactly what we see happening here in the life of Moses. And, And it's hard to make sacrifices like that. But it's the only way we will ever truly pursue Jesus in every area of our lives. And Moses continues to do that. And we pick it up again in verse 28. It says, By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Now, we're not going to read the Old Testament reference for that. It's Exodus chapter 12 and it's verses 1 through 32. So we're not going to camp out there tonight. But basically what's happening here is God has worked through Moses. God has sent Moses back to Egypt to talk to Pharaoh to let the Israelite nation go out of captivity. And the Pharaoh says what? No. He says no. So God uses Moses to bring a series of plagues on the land of Egypt. And every time Moses still says no, 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 until the last one. The last one is when God says, I'm going to kill the firstborn in every house, male and livestock. But Moses, here's how I'm going to save my people. And he tells Moses that he's supposed to take a lamb. He's supposed to take this this baby animal. And what he's supposed to do is he's supposed to take it and kill it. And this is supposed to happen in every household in the nation of Egypt. And they're supposed to take that blood and they're supposed to run it up the doorpost on the outside of the house and across the door and then down the other doorpost so that when the angel of death comes through Egypt and takes the lives that God says it's going to take, it will pass over everyone who has their door painted with that blood. That's why it's called Passover. What you see right here, you see an actual blood sacrifice. 
We've been talking about just sacrificing things and sacrificing position and influence. But here we see a literal blood sacrifice that was required by God for His people to be saved. Because this was the nation of Israel publicly identifying, saying, we are God's people. It shows on the door. Guys, that, that's huge because as you look at this, right here in the second book of the Bible, you've got a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That physical act of blood being shed for the salvation of the people of God, that is what Jesus has done for you and I. Given His life on the cross, shed His blood so that when we accept that forgiveness, when we say, God, I'm a sinner and I can't fix myself and I deserve just what the, Israel, or just what the Egyptians deserve, I deserve death. I deserve your wrath. God says, my son died for you and gave his blood for you. And if you accept that and you identify with me and you follow me, you'll experience salvation the same way the Egyptians did right here. Don't miss the power of what's happening right here. We talk about sacrificing things and relationships and influence. Jesus sacrificed his own life for you and all of us. And all of scripture points to that reality. All of it does. He gave his life. And in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 29, we see that Moses was willing to give his life for what God had called him to do as well. Look at what it says in this last verse. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. Now again, we're not going to read all of that reference because that's Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 through 31. I do encourage you to go back and read those on your own though. God is... God has brought the people out of Egypt and he's done some pretty cool things. He's done the Passover. God kept his word and the Egyptians let them go. But God actually told them, hey, you're going to plunder the Egyptians on your way out. You're not just going to leave as empty-handed slaves. You're going to take their gold. You're going to take their jewelry. You're going to take everything that you need to be able to set up a new life. And they leave and they're following God. And as they get to this edge of the Red Sea, they face this body of water and there's no way for them to get across on their own. And the Egyptians have changed their mind and now they're chasing the nation of Israel. So God does only what God can do. God tells Moses to take that staff and to use it and it parts the Red Sea and it tells us right there that the nation of Israel walks across that sea on dry land. But you see, if you, if you pick up on what's going on right here, this pivotal moment in the life of Moses and the nation of Israel, God brought him to that point and Moses had to be willing to sacrifice his own life and really the life of every single person with him to trust God and walk across that dry land. You know that had to be scary. How, how many of you are scared to walk out in the ocean? Couple of you, okay, because you can't see what's out there. What's that? And there's animals. Now think about how deep that gets to where you just get right above your head and that panic feeling because you don't know what's out there. God takes this sea and he splits it. And I, I, my mind always goes back to, um, um, I don't know if y'all have seen this, the Prince of Egypt, that movie where they, they, do, they have the scene where the nation of Israel is walking through on the dry land and there's like lightning and as the lightning lights up the water, you see this whale swimming up inside this wall and all of these other things. That's, that's what I picture when I picture this scene right here. That had to be 
terrifying. And yet they are willing to risk and sacrifice their very lives to pursue the plan that God has given them. Guys, that, that, that is what this is talking about for us. And God provided them safe passage to where they needed to go. They moved out of captivity, but they were only able to do that because they were willing to sacrifice anything and everything to pursue God. So my question for you tonight is, what are you willing to sacrifice? For, for some of you in here tonight, you're, you're listening to this and, 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 and you need to learn what it looks like to sacrifice for Jesus. To really pursue him, to really press into him on a daily basis. You've got to figure out what it is in your life that you are holding on to so tightly that you can't grab onto him. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's the fact that you think you always need a relationship with a guy or a girl. Maybe, maybe it's a position on a team. Maybe it's the fact that you got so many followers on social media or TikTok or Snapchat or whatever it is you're using. And we have those things and we hold on to those things and we don't want to let go of that influence and we don't want to let go of those relationships and we don't want to let go of that stuff. And the tighter we hold on to it, the less chance we have of holding on to Christ. What do you need to sacrifice tonight? What do you need to let go of so that you can cling to him with everything you have? And, and I don't know what that looks like in your life, only you do. But I want to challenge you tonight. In just a minute, we're going to stand up and sing. And every one of your chairs was one of those yellow or orange cards when you came in. If you know what that is in your life, I want to challenge you, write it down on that card. Whether you bring it up here or not, take that card out and write it down. And then if you are willing to really, really sacrifice that so you can press into Christ with everything you have, my challenge for you is to come up here and drop it in that basket. You don't have to put your name on it. But I want to be able to pray for you and I want our other adults to be able to pray for you as you do that. And maybe you take a moment right here and pray and ask God to give you the courage and the boldness to sacrifice whatever it is so that you can pursue him with everything that you have. Guys, that's a little thing sometimes, but when it comes to God, that's big. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that we, can, that we can see what you've called us to do as your disciples. And God, we pray right now. I pray right now. God, help each one of us to examine ourselves. To see what it is in our lives that we're holding on to so tightly, God. But you're calling us to sacrifice it, to lay it down so that we can hold on to you just as tightly, if not more so. God, I pray for every single person in this room. Help us to press into Jesus every moment of every day. It's in his name we pray. Amen.